welcome to our first series of Mastermind with me, Jason Bryan. Five contenders will take up the challenge in this series, all hoping to claim the title of Industry Mastermind and win the coveted Rocco Mastermind Award. To do that, they must answer nine unknown questions on three specialist subjects they choose, providing a pretty eclectic mix of insights for our industry. So let's get on with it and have today's contender. It's with great pleasure that I'm here with Bana Kudvoli. Did I say it right, Bana? Um, big practice in before, and uh, this is now four out of five still. <laughs> oh, I'm improving then because the last time I, did, I only got a three. So, Bana is the managing director at Jersey Telecom. Many thanks for joining us on this Mastermind Challenge, Bana. I would like to ask you if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Would you mind just giving us a 30-second bio? Yeah, I'm working with Jersey Telecom in the last eight years now. First, I was running the consumer on-island business that expanded with some ventures that JT was investing off uh, island. There's a travel sim business based in the US and Australia. And most recently, the accountability has grown into on-island enterprise as well. Uh, previously, I was working with Vodafone for 10 years in different places from Turkey, Hungary to Cyprus. Brilliant. Thank you so, very much. Yes. I'm up 20 years already in telecom industry in different locations and venues. Excellent. Thank you. Well, it's always a great pleasure to speak to somebody from Jersey Telecom since we see them as one of the most innovative operator groups globally. So it's really exciting to have you here. So you have agreed to take the Mastermind Challenge, which, as we know, involves nine questions from three categories. I'm just going to name the categories again for those people who are listening for the first time. We have blockchain, IoT, roaming, 5G, messaging, eSIM, OTTs, and a mystery category. So, Vana, you have chosen three categories, which are blockchain, OTTs, and the mystery category. So, are you ready? Yeah. Come forward, please. <laughs> okay. The first three questions then are on blockchain, one of the most interesting topics right now. So the first one is reports from IBM and financial sectors are projecting that blockchain will drive innovation in services, bringing more transparency and more security. But isn't it true that also blockchain is subject to human error? And if 51% of the computers have bad information, then the actual data that blockchain is producing isn't good. So What's the your question is whether human error... What do you think to the security aspects or the transparency of the data on blockchain? It's a double-edged sword. And because of the distributed ledger, it's impossible to tweak the system, which means not a Trojan horse can uh, kill and at the very same time falsify all the records within the nodes. The problem with the security those comes, and then most of the cryptocurrencies have showed that, that because of the security and because of the anonymity, it can be hijacked. And if somebody loses, let's say, a wallet containing cryptocurrencies, then it can be never recovered. So 
it is fairly secure in what transactions get recorded, but it's highly vulnerable when it comes to the individual holder of transactions or even some inventories. So it's far from being an obvious that it's more secure than the current centralized way of holding information. Very good answer. Thank you very much. So second question, how would you say blockchain is useful to mobile network operators and what they offer today and why? I don't see yet, not with, uh, in our case, efficient usage where I can turn it into a commercial success. And as uh, deploring I am, how pathetic I am, I usually measure success in monetary terms. Something that I cannot crack, how can make money? Eventually I would say it's nice, but it's not going to survive in the long term. So right now, I don't see that as an end user proposition where we can create our own ecosystem where blockchain can work. Nevertheless, I do see that the technology, so the backend systems that say the design of the next gen mobile networks, for example, will be able to use authentications and the likes in the backhole and the backend, especially when it gets to 5G with multiple multiplication of the base stations and the transactions and the authentication because of the small data sessions. I can see how blockchain will again change from the current centralized HLR, VLR topology of the design. But I'm not an engineer, I'm not a mechanic, so I just see that it, it probably will work and will make the design of a mobile network probably more secure and probably even more bulletproof when it comes to any interventions any side of it. But as I said, I'm more a commercial person and um, where I can see right now the only meaningful use, commercial use of the blockchain technology is what is then picked up with the end user market. Right now, the end user market definitely picked up the cryptocurrency, the most infamous one being the Bitcoin. If I just look at it right now, Bitcoin distributed the ledger is 150 gigabytes or so, and it's growing. Even just that, traveling and has to be downloaded. Any blocks is around a couple megabytes per now. So even just the transactions that, that are happening is going to be charged uh, through our data access networks, whether it's mobile or fixed. So I can see some commercial benefit with that one. If the world will go on and would replace, which is quite unimaginable at this stage, the current monetary transaction system, which has, I think, about 500 billion transactions per year, which would make, I don't know, tens of billions in a month. So if that would be replaced with Bitcoin, the whole payload would grow. Also, that would nicely sustain data charging in the mobile network. So right now, this is how far my imagination is going, mm -hmm. how we would get from, from a blockchain technology, but mostly what will be sitting on top of the blockchain technology. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your answer. Third question is around, let's say, the standards. Because as with any industry, blockchain will have to have some industry standards and norms implemented. Who do you think will drive the creation of these standards and, more importantly, their enforcement? Now, this is where the whole thing will become. And then once I started aforementionedly, the block size of blockchain, I do think when this is becoming more and more mainstream, whether it will be just 
recording transactions of any kind, not just monetary transactions of any kind between one or two persons. The size of blockchain will be becoming quite prohibitive to do the way it is not done like now, which is almost private persons can set up nodes and become validators, or in some case of Bitcoins, for example, crypto miners. The sad truth is, I think eventually the whole market is going to around the use cases of what will be the blockchain effectively used is going to centralize. Nevertheless, it won't be centralized around governments. So just give, for example, the finance industry, what is the most prevailing example of blockchain usage. Right now, the monetary system is run by central banks, and then it's been implemented, executed by commercial banks. And there are some settlement houses like Visa and MasterCards that are running the intermediary business. Now, when the traffic is going to move on to, let's say, cryptocurrencies and peer-to-peer transactions, suddenly the central banks will have no power of setting forexes and uh, central bank rates and uh, other elements. Commercial banks will not have any more the funds, the accounts sitting with them and they cannot use multiplication to get loans, which is the financial model for a commercial bank, until they get into speculations and uh, other likes. Suddenly all these things will move into endpoints, nodes that we run on their own. However, the volume will be so high, the memory, the latency requirements will be such a huge, and the processing will be so huge, that again it will be re-centralized. So I think it will be back into the hand in multi-conglomerates, data house owners, probably eventually the biggest multinational commercial banks who are going to standardize and going to run the whole system. So I'm uh, sorry to say whoever think that will be the next revolution of the little actors will, will get their hands on of a new one-to-one, peer-to-peer, no centralization. It will just move away from governments and we will be corporations will run and standardize it because of commercial reasons, sustainability. Very good and very complete answer, Bana. Thank you very much. So let's move on to the questions we have on OTTs or the chat apps, as some people call them. So again, three questions. The first is around OTT channels. So the default position for most large national brands is to work with MNOs for their content delivery. OTTs are increasingly pushing enterprise now as well through their own solutions. You see Facebook Messenger, for example, doing this. Do you think that one day OTT channels could end up carrying the majority of enterprises' content towards their customers, cutting out the MNOs altogether? Possibly. The reason why actually I chose the uh, OTT because of the subscale nature of Jersey Telecom. We have uh, less than 200,000 market with uh, about 150,000 services that we provide. We proved to be absolutely subscale to set up our own channel, OTT channel to the market. The whole thing will be compounded, aggravated by the fact that Sky is our main competitor when it comes to content distribution. And with its scale, and of course, scale comes with uh, content rights and uh, some technology advancement on the satellite. We would never able to compete with that. So for me, the question whether 
OTT content channels today is going to be handed over to OTT content holders rather than the channel owners like Sky versus Facebook. I think it well can be as the technology changes and we as the connectivity provider will have basically unfettered access for the channel providers to access our own customers. So yeah, the answer is most definitely it's possible. Okay. In these days, however, we see a lot of activities with OTTs and one of the key issues, of course, is privacy. The whole issue of privacy and consumer data in the area of OTTs or chat apps has really hit home in recent months. Do you think this will now impact the speed of their adoption globally? Now, this was something I haven't touched what's the blockchain because uh, the, the potential for incumbent connectivity providers like Jersey Telecom. But this is not a subject when the whole thing is intertwined. I think we will, in long term, we can make use of the new technologies and also solve the problem of privacy is that we move into the e-identity game. So that's probably the trusted brokership status that an infrastructure owner like us can hold versus any channel owners who will be struggling with the identity and data collection questions. By design, when we sign up a new customers, by law and by also by our own provisioning requirements, we have to know who we're providing the service to especially because that's a commercial relationship. It has to have a name, it has to have an address, it has to have also some financial settlement back and forth arrangements, which is not necessarily true for any free-to-air content provider. So I think eventually where the whole, the two industries will, will come together and where we also can benefit that OTT providers is actually moving into the value chain, in our value chain, or what we've been trying to get into value chain is that we will provide the e-identity and the, the whole endorsement uh, framework for OTT channel content providers. That could be a deal between us and them. But in general, do you think that because of, like, let's say, the Facebook privacy issues that have come out, there's less, less chance of OTTs becoming successful? It's almost like the question is, privacy or having to give up your privacy for cost, basically? My historical learning is that people will give up privacy for the convenience. Yeah. Which leads me to the next question and final question on OTTs. If a new OTT came along guaranteeing never to share any type of data with third parties, but charging for their service, do you think they would ever gain any traction in the marketplace? No. That's already tested. I mean, there was quite a few, this kind of a bold garden approaches. Yeah. It will have its own traction, but it's never going to be mainstream. Simply, the whole idea is too compelling that I can get something for free and then because of that, I'm basically selling some of my personal data or my attention time, everybody will go with the free. Okay, very good. Thanks for your answer. On that one, it's a tough question. We're on then to the final three questions, which are in our mystery category. 
And these have been quite popular questions, I have to say, with all of the mastermind challenges. So see what you think to them. With Wi-Fi networks being cheaper to deploy, without the need to buy expensive licenses, and allowing service on all kinds of devices, why aren't MNOs not adopting Wi-Fi as their standard means of networking? I'm not a technology expert to that extent, but there are major problems with Wi-Fi versus the current whether fixed line or mobile technologies. First of all, it could be, but it's not standardized of moving from one Wi-Fi hotspot location to another. So what is well-defined, let's say, in a mobile network, the handover protocol, and then the roaming. So one thing is about how you're moving from one location to another without uninterrupted access to the next hotspot and who owns that. That is solved in the mobile network. And it's solely solved by the fact that it's owned by one company. And by the way, that one company that is just one of the usually typically two to four or five options in uh, any country as per se mobile operators. But the mobile operators uh, standards are also connected. So you can move your connectivity, not just within the hotspots of mobile stations, but you can move it outside the country as well. Now that's what Wi-Fi don't have. And why Wi-Fi don't has it? Because nobody, nobody has ever installed countrywide or then worldwide uh, Wi-Fi network that has that kind of a prevalence and handover. Yeah. And it's basically because of simply capital expenditure. You cannot afford to do that. I'm not sure about the Wi-Fi's other problems about uh, security. I think Wi-Fi doesn't have uh, proper recordings of, of how you can have a central database of collecting authentications. I think the notes can identify people and the SSID, so the different segments of the Wi-Fi, can also let uh, certain devices to code it. But the devices is not again turned into persons behind that, and then the whole kind of a financial settlement flops again. But that's one of the reasons. Probably the real reason is something I cannot clearly explain or fill you in with, is technologically it must be some inferior when it comes to security and uh, authentication to the current other legacy systems. Yeah, I think very much you're right. I think that there's no international standard for Wi-Fi. We know of NGH, next generation Wi-Fi coming through, but it's nowhere near ready yet or ubiquitous like a GSM network. So I think these are very good points you make. So the next question is again on OTTs and basically OTTs are gaining traction and influence globally. If you were to put them into a boxing ring and ask them to fight it out, which three would be left standing, would you say, and why? When you say OTTs, what companies or categories are you thinking of? I'm thinking predominantly chat apps. I'm thinking the likes of, let's say, Skype and Facebook and WhatsApp and Line and WeChat and those kind of. So who are going to be the next winner? The um, over the top services. Yeah, that's what you're asking. What exactly. type of company or use cases? You can say what type of company, but you would be better to say which brands you think are really have a lot of influence globally. 
Now, when I'm thinking about it, again, I don't want to think about existing companies today because they will not exist in the same form in five or 10 years. So mm. it's almost futile to think about them as they are. I think human life will evolve because of multiple external impacts into more and more moving into the homes or what I would say modern caves. More and more will the life around us will be virtualized and uh, more and more humans will find that kind of a perseverance or pursuance of indulgence in, in augmented realities. So whoever will have a platform, second life probably was a bit too early when it was mainstream about five, six, seven, ten years ago. But any company who will create this virtual environment around people and then still make them possible to connect it to other human beings will be the ones who are going to become the mainstream platforms and way of living. In that respect, I think current social media platforms and Vivo and Facebook obviously are the two household names today, are the preliminary candidates right now who will be in the OTT game. Because everything else will be delivered financials, content, food, 3D printing, whatever, within this framework, this kind of a virtual reality framework in um, what it calls in a matrix. Let's not even forget that there is, according to some mathematical formulation, there's a fair chance, not a big, but about 25% that we already live in that. We just don't know about it. And we can just repeat, repeat over over again. Okay. Not necessarily mind you, but... <laughs> no, it's good. Thank you very much for your answer. I think it's a really tough question, so we really appreciate your perspective on that. And the final question, I think could be the most difficult, but we'll pitch it. Which do you think are the three best mobile network operators in the world and why? Not best in one specific area, but across the board in general inspirational companies, let's say. Yeah, as I said, it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> not with a modesty. I would not use the word best because the best is, is a difficult one category to be crap. But I'll tell you the ones that I'll see somebody doing different and not racing to the bottom to become basically a utility. Mm -hmm. I have to start from with home. So I think Jersey Telecom started to venture out from this very, very small jurisdiction and started to do something that probably because of the limitation of our economies of scale, we had to innovate ourselves. And we now providing all kinds of uh, amazingly exciting services from uh, mobilizing IOTs, machine to machine developments around the world even to helping the finance industry in different uh, countries to limit the risk by providing all kind of um, subscriber information real time next to the card transactions, to even in getting involved in all traditional trading activity of minutes to back and forth. So basically using our tier one connectivity. I think Jersey Telecom is, as you said in your introduction, is very impressive compared to its size and punching well above its weight. I do think that who would I put second? I mean, 
There's another company I know quite inheritedly and boldly uh, is was Vodafone. I'm not saying Vodafone has done anything spectacular in the last couple years. The CEO Vittorio Colau, who just stepped down, was a very, very strong uh, financial mechanist. And in this way, he was rather divesting uh, ailing units and only very carefully growing with the acquisition. Actually, I don't think uh, Vodafone has grown as impressively as it was growing when I was there between the 2000 and 2010. Nevertheless, I saw that Vodafone also picked up the other problem it always had. So I think it's moving in the right direction, that it was only a mobile-only company. And now buying Liberty, as in the last stunt that uh, they just did, they're moving in the right way to make it a triple play. Because if I'm right with the cave analogy and people will be forced back in, into the homes and in their own virtual reality, connectivity will be the big game when uh, mobile will be just the intermediary step between the cave and if somebody occasionally move out. So um, fixed line and combination with mobile is will becoming the ticket to the game in the future. Third, who I would pick third? I mean, third probably, I don't know actually it works anymore. One company impressed me in the past that was probably about 15 years ago. and. Kennedy, they never got anywhere with the proposition. But it was an operator called C-Cell C-Net that was operating in quite a few, like 16, 15 uh, different African countries. And they introduced uh, well ahead of European Union's uh, roaming freeness in Africa. And I always found those guys quite ballsy in that respect, with that move. Eventually they got sold to one of the Middle East uh, operators or conglomerates. But I found those those disruptions similar what uh, Savier and Neil did with the free in France. So still in the bottom of my heart, mm-hmm. I still love any incumbent rattling, disruptive challenger, commercial initiators. Um, I found them quite impressive. Brilliant. So those are the three different yeah. types that I would call up very diverse types of operators, but I think, uh, yeah, very good ones there. Well, Bernard, that's it. You've completed the Mastermind Challenge, your nine questions, and how do you think it went? (laughs) I don't know how it went. I don't know who will be eventually the audience, so uh, I don't know what measurement, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, it made me think. Nothing was, as you know, pre-prepared, so I had to ad-lib it. Um, I don't know how convincing it would be, how carrying away it, the, the ideas are how my dreadful accent I have no idea <laughs> no it was very good it was very good I mean that's the whole point of these interviews is that they're not premeditated they're not scripted they're just putting you on the spot and seeing how you can handle it so well done thank you very much for your time and your answers and uh, yeah some inspiring stuff there thank we... you for the opportunity all the best yes thank you Bana. If you like this Mastermind Challenger, go onto LinkedIn and like the post and tell them what you think in the comments. The winner is the participant with the most likes on LinkedIn. Likes will be calculated two weeks after publication of their podcast. This has been the Mastermind Challenge. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Rocker Radio.